Yeah. Wow, what a welcome. What a welcome. Man, I feel like I need to go back off, come back on, do like a rocky move when you come up here. Man, we are so blessed. Who's blessed to be in the house of the Lord today? The water bottle is wonky. Man, it is a blessing to be here in the house of the Lord. Man, let's give it up for our worship team too as well, yes? My Lord, what a beautiful, beautiful time to spend in worship. You know, when you, when you guys think of, uh, of your most, the ultimate adventure for you, what do you think of? Now, I, I was Charles Chewin through it, because things like, um, uh, has anyone ever seen The Deadliest Catch? You've seen that on TV, right? Or, or, or something like Bear Grylls. You ever seen Bear Grylls, right? Lovely Christian guy. He does these incredible things, eats the most, yeah, we won't talk about what he eats at times, but you think of those kind of adventures, right? Where you, in, in some way your life may be on the line, but at the same time you're just like the adrenaline is rushing and you are just, you're hanging on to every single moment. I think, and I'm going to share with you today, I think Jesus following him truly needs to be this ultimate adventure for us, right? Okay? Uh, but before I go into that, I just wanted to let my wife know, today is our wedding anniversary. The clap goes to her. Uh, 24 years today, 24 years that she's put up with me. So I think every husband here could be like, yeah, truth. Yeah, so happy anniversary. So I'm so blessed to do ministry with you. Um, that marriage is like an ultimate adventure too, isn't it, when we think about it? Well, uh, I want you to open up your Bibles because we're going to read a story today. Uh, it's in Matthew 4. Here we've got uh, uh, Jesus starting, if you will, the, the first part of his ministry. And um, it's gonna, we're going to pick it up in verse 18. It's on the screen also. Uh, I encourage you to, to grab your Bibles. And for those of you watching online, welcome. Don't be a stranger as well. Um, let us know that you're there. We'd, we'd love to be able to reach out to you um, during the week. So here we go. Jesus calls his first disciples. While walking on the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets, their nets and followed him. Immediately, they left their nets. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. So you got this, in this moment you got Jesus, right? He's, he's calling out to these, these men that are fishermen. Galilee, that area, green hills, crystal blue water, it was immaculate. Known as the, the sapphire of the emeralds. Um, Cephas and Tiberias were the crown jewels of the city in that area. Two major cities that were there. And Herod, the king of the time, he moved his treasury 
to that area as well. Um, he set up shop, if you will, built his own uh, um, housing. He's, it's where the capital moved to, the courthouse. The heart of Galilee became Sepphoris, the city in that whole region, paved roads, theatres, bathing houses. Herod didn't want to live anywhere else. He wanted to live there, a beautiful area. Sepphoris became the centre of the Jewish learning area, became a Sanhedrin seat as well. Educated, wealthy people, everyone who was everyone wanted to be there. But in Capernaum, stones throw away, the citizens were mainly fishermen, farmers, people that uh, provided services to those cities. Like they maintained the roads that were there, the caravans in the, in, within the region. They were, if you will, if you could think about it for today's terms, they were like the blue collar workers of today. It was known as an industrial uh, town for its leather tanneries and fishing industry. You know, growing up, uh, I grew up in the outback in Australia, but when we, we moved to the coast, I didn't go to a movie theater to us 12. I know, right? I was like, what is this screen in front of me? Humongous. So I kind of live in the outback, you kind of live a bit of a sheltered life. But we moved to the coastal area. Now I went from a school of about 50 kids from K to grade 12. And then we moved to the coast to a high school of 700. I needed a map to find my way around school. Right? In my school where I grew up, and we stayed in the same classroom for years. Not that we repeated classes, we had the same teacher. Right? Small school, 50 kids in the whole school. And we moved right across from a tannery for an abattoir. You knew what day they were tanning. I mean, that smell that comes from that place is not pleasant, right? But you got that feeling of the King Capernaum here in this area, this was what life was like. These hamlets, these areas, really rose above 400 people, okay? In the nation, that in, the, in many parts of the, uh, other parts of the nation, they were considered uncouth in this populated area. The rocks in the field were used to build the houses as opposed to Sepphoris and Tiberias that were made out of marble and, and other materials that they could gather. But in Capernaum area, oh, whatever you found in the field is what you built your house with. Now I think of the ultimate adventure in our walk with the Lord. First thing that we need to think about is it requires authenticity. All right? Jesus wants the real us. He doesn't want a fake us. He doesn't want something that can be mass produced. He wants you. Everything about you, the good, the bad, the ugly, so to speak. He wants it all. He, want, he doesn't want PhDs. He doesn't need some sort of degree that goes with us. He doesn't want to look at your Facebook account, your Twitter account, your LinkedIn, to see how many friends you have, to see how popular that you are. He just wants you. The whole package deal, you. And you may think, well, I'm not perfect. Well, he knows that, right? But he still wants you. Now think about the disciples for a minute. Here we got the picture of Jesus walking along the sea of Galilee. 
He chooses them. Peter, he was outspoken and impulsive. This is what we know of them later on, right? We we cannot be mistaken that Jesus didn't know about who these men were internally before he called them, right? He knew that this is who they were, but he called them. Peter, outspoken and impulsive. Andrew, he was shy, kind of like his brother, uh, um, not the public kind of outspoken kind of guy. John, a teen, and his brother James, a couple of rowdy brawlers that were nicknamed the Sons of Thunder, okay? But that, Jesus didn't care about that. He called them. Jesus went to Capernaum to the ordinary folk. He didn't go to see first in Tiberias and look for the learned people, the ones that had a higher education. We may look around and say, well, I'm not gifted in that, Lord, but God is saying, but I have chosen you by name. You have a task, you have a responsibility, you, you have a calling on your life. It's not about education, it's not about those things. He didn't go to those religious leaders, the upper crust, if you will, of Jewish society. He wanted the authentic, regular Joe. He wanted you and I. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or his height or his structure. Here we got the story about David, right? Don't look at those things because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not a man as a man sees. The Lord looks at the outward appearance for the Lord looks on the heart. When Samuel was trying to decide who was going to be king, he was like, well, look at, look at his brother. Look, 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 look at him, he's handsome, he's, he's, he's tall, he's, he's broad. But God says, don't look at those things. I'm looking at the person's heart. Authenticity comes with an authentic heart. God knows your heart. He knows where you're at in your relationship with him. He knows whether you're distant or you're close to him. He knows whether you're making excuses or you're pressing in. So, with these disciples, you saw what you got, right? There was no fluff. There was nothing about that. Me, I am who I am. I talk funny, yes, at your altar, everyone. And that's who he is calling me to be. It was a part of his plan. He wanted to find these authentic men to follow him, to give up everything. They immediately left their nets and followed him. What would Jesus say about you? If you could stand in front of him right now, what would he say? Better yet, what are you willing to give up for him? Would he look at you and say, yes, you're 100% authentic. Yep, that's exactly who I need. Are you trying to be someone that you're not meant to be? Think about those things. So authenticity is part of our our calling, what we need to be in following him. And another part of that is trust. Jesus requires trust. So I haven't come across any story, any story in the Bible 
that when God calls someone and, and then the, and the, he offers, basically, when God calls someone, then they negotiate between each other about that calling. God is not going to negotiate the call that he has upon your life. Acts 14. Let's read in Acts 14, 19 to 22. But Jews came from Antioch and, and um, Lacomum. And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that, that he was dead. See, here you got Paul and Barnabas. They're preaching the word of God, and then they heal someone, and they're like, oh my gosh, you must be like Zeus, and you must be this. And they're like, no, that's not who we are. This power comes from God. So immediately, when they were saying no to that, these people stoned them. And then the disciples gathered around him. He rose up and entered the city. And the next day he went with Barnabas to Derbe. You've got the fact that after he was stoned, he was out of the city. He got, they dragged him out. They thought he was dead. And what happened? In turn, he turned around, got back up, and went straight back in to continue the work of the Lord regardless of the cost. Because there's no example in the Bible where God calls an individual on a trial basis. God doesn't call you on a trial basis. If he's calling you, he's calling you, right? Regardless of the cost. When he said to the disciples on the shores of Galilee, follow me, it wasn't they follow me for 60 days. Look, if this works out, right? That's great. If you feel like this is not going to be something good for you, it's okay. We can part ways, right? That, that wasn't the calling for them. He looked at them and he said, come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. They didn't argue. They left everything to follow him. When God calls us, we have two choices. It's either going to be a yes or a no. There's no maybe. There's no sitting on the fence, you know, in, in 1994, mind you, some of you be like, man, I wasn't even born then. It's okay. Just use your imagination. In 1994, I was on the mission field, and I received word that my father had cancer. And I was saying, you know what? I, I have to go home. I have to travel home. I have to be with my family. And so I traveled home to be with my family. It was stage four cancer, so I knew that he wouldn't have long. And I was going to continue on the mission field. And I remember walking, I was in Queensland, I was walking on the beach, and I, I, there a few times in my life where I really felt that God audibly had told me something. And this is one of those times. And I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. Do I, do I, do I follow what my family says? Because my family says, you need to stay here. Or do I follow what you want me to do? Where you are calling me to go? And in that moment, walking on that beach, God said to me, are you gonna follow me? Or are you gonna follow them? Your choice. Wow, kind of heavy moment, right? Very heavy moment for a, a young man under the age of 20. But I was like, okay, Lord, I will follow you. Right? Cost of discipleship, right? It's easy to say, but when you have to live it out, it's a whole different picture. So I said, okay, Lord, I will follow you. And I told my parents that. My parents... My dad turned away. 
would not talk to me. They had to drop me off at the bus station so I catch the bus to go to the airport. The whole, bus, the whole trip to the bus station, my parents wouldn't talk to me. I got my stop to the bus station, got my bag out. They still didn't talk to me. Closed the door, they drove off. Oh, in that moment, you're like, Lord, did I make this right call? Did I make the right decision? Am I, am I just in my own selfish desires, my own wants, what I want to do? Or was it what you wanted me to do? So I went overseas. For nearly a year, my father wouldn't talk to me. Man, that's harsh. I tried, I called. My mother's like, yeah, you know, your dad loves you. Can I speak to my dad? Can I, can I see, speak to dad? He doesn't want to talk to you. Oh. Okay, all right. So I thought, I'm going to strategize, right? My dad is always an early ri- riser, like Ryan is. Don't know what it is with early risers. But they're like 5 a.m. in the morning, they're up, right? Me, I like to worship St. Mattress for a little bit longer, okay? A <laughs> little bit longer is helpful for me, right? Maybe when the birds are cheeping and the sun is starting to rise across the crest, I would love to get up at that time, okay? Um, but I thought, you know what, my dad is a 5 a.m. riser, so I, during those days too, there's no FaceTime, there's nothing like that. I had a phone card, I got on the phone, I called at 5 a.m., I adjusted the times, and he jumps on the phone because it wouldn't wake, wake up mum. Ha, strategy. <laughs> so I started building that relationship with my dad. I got the opportunity to go back and spend two weeks with him before he died. My dad, I was with him, he was doing chemotherapy, he was doing the radiation treatment. Remember, you, you know, father was so strong, I, I would hang from his arm, right? Now I'm seeing him with, with nasal cannula, with oxygen, just dragging a tank around. Just a frail, frail man. I've seen my father cry a couple of times in my life. And on this particular evening was the second time that I see my dad cry. He said, I am so blessed to have a son serving God. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit just went, see? That's all the Holy Spirit had to say, see? I didn't know then, back then, what I knew in that moment. But I had to trust God in that process, right? You have to trust God, whatever the cost is going to be. If he's calling, you have to, hear my Lord, send me. Isaiah 6, 8. You've got to trust the process. You might not get a full picture. In that moment, I didn't have a full picture. But I know that though the Lord didn't heal my dad physically, he healed him spiritually. I didn't know that what I was doing and serving him made an impact in my father's life until when he broke down and told me that. Again, God has a bigger picture, things that we don't see, right? but we have to trust in him. It requires trust. The disciples, as we know, they left everything. Their livelihood. The brothers left their father just like, dropping the nets, see you later, dad. Catch her. Because they knew that they felt what, that's exactly what God wanted. The Holy Spirit was moving. There isn't a buffet-style calling either. There's no buffet-style calling. It can never be on our terms. There's no negotiation with it. 
Lord, I, I will, you know, it's like when God was calling us here to Florence. Now, I had to Google Florence, because I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, like, Ryan reached out to us. I kind of looked at that and ignored it. I'm like, I'm moving to Florence. <laughs> I have no idea where Florence, Florence, Italy, maybe, but, you know, Florence, Kentucky. So my wife tells people, God, God's moving us to Florence, and her girlfriend's like, <gasps> and she's like, it's not Florence, Italy. Okay, just calm down. But I, I had no clue. But when God, it just compounded. When God calls, you've got to follow that. We had to leave two of our daughters behind. Man, it just breaks your heart. I, they're living with someone, so that's a good thing. And thank you so much for the Graham family that took our girls in. But again, what is your cost of trusting in that process? Jesus said to Peter and Andrew, I will make you fishers of men. It wasn't something that they had to do. So you may be sitting here like, I'm not gifted like you. I can't talk in front of people. I can't do those type of things. But think God is going to give you the ability to do that. You need to trust the process. He's given you gifts and abilities that may be still dormant, that you haven't stepped into faith about. But you need to step into that. You need to trust in him in that. We need to allow him to lead us, right? I started leading. I wanted to lead when God was calling us here. God spoke to my wife in December last year that God was moving us on. Now, I don't, I don't particularly like Florida. I, I, I don't. It's like this armpit of you know, like heat down there and, and humidity. And I never wanted to live there. But then I fell in love with it. And I fell in love with the church there. And I'm like, an angel was like, I think God's calling us to move. I'm like, oh, heck no. Oh, no, 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 no. We, we're good. But, but, but I have my girls at home still. I mean, what, what parent doesn't want their kids to still be at home, right? I hope you do. You're not like, can't wait for the kids to leave. I mean, but for me, I, I mean, my, I love my girls. And, and then, but God was starting to do things. And we're like, okay, Lord, I, I got to trust in you in that, right? I got to trust that process. Even though this week for us has been beautiful because it's our wedding anniversary today, it's probably been one of the most hardest weeks of my life. Tuesday was the anniversary of my father's death. Tuesday, I also found out that our niece has stage four brain cancer. Not all the tumor can be removed. We also found out her brother has liver disease. My mum, this way, she's on a new cancer drug. My stepdad needs to have cancer removed. This is all this week. Friend of ours, his mother just died. Another friend of ours who adopted us as their, as their, uh, as their children that live in California contacted us and says he's cancer. One thing after another. But what do you need to do? You have to trust. You've got to press into the Lord. 
not retract. You've got to press into him. You've got to trust the process. I don't have the answers. I don't know why all of this is happening. I didn't want it. It's not that I'm like, you know, Lord, I just need some more challenges this week. <laughs> you just mind throwing something my direction, you know? I just, you know, I just need to feel like I need to hit rock bottom just one more time. <laughs> you don't, do you? But you have to trust. Trust is easy when life is going well. Oh, it's simple, beautiful. I can roll with it. But when the rubber meets the road, and one and another and another and another, you're hanging onto that parapet. You can't carry the weight though. Jesus' strength is where you need to be. He needs to take that from you. Need to trust in him. I think lastly, too, that of our ultimate adventure with Jesus, we looked at all, uh, authenticity, we've looked at uh, trusting, right, is commitment. We need to be committed in the process. You could be committed just to be here on a Sunday, but what are you doing for the rest of the six days during the week? What does that commitment look like for you? Are you truly living out your walk? The dictionary defines commitment as this. Uh, the state or quality of being uh, dedicated to a cause or an activity. Dedicated to a cause or activity. How dedicated are you in your commitment to Christ? Now, we've been going through that, that series, Gospel Fluency, right? That stuff is pointless if you're not going to be committed to it. If you're going to trust in the Lord for it, God wants you to be who God has called you to be, not someone else. I can't be Ryan, right? Though we have the same haircut. I can't be him though, right? I'm not Ryan. I'm not Steve. I'm not Lucas. I'm not any of those, those people. I am who I am. But God is calling me for a mission, just like he is calling you for a mission. You need to figure out what is that mission, right? And be committed to that. I should have taped that down. You know, the quote from DC Talk, you all remember DC Talk? Is anyone here, the old school people? Come on now, DC Talk. I'm feeling it. DC Talk quoted this, right? The single biggest cause of atheism today are Christians who confess Jesus at church, then walk out the doors and deny him by their lifestyle. That was, how long ago was that? DC talk quote, and that's still relevant today. Our actions could be one way, our words can be another. It's all part of the plan, it's all part of the plan. But that's true though, isn't it? Or, or our words could be something, but our actions could be another. Oh, I, I, I love you, Lord. I'll serve you and I'll do whatever you ask. Well, I want you to do this. You know, um, whew, that person over there is better at doing that than me. I think you should ask them, right? Um, I'm just, you know, that's, that's asking a lot from me. That's asking a heck of a lot from me, Lord. I don't know if I can do that. What has Jesus given you already? He gave you his life. 
and we at times decide to argue or debate with him about our costs, our commitment to him who's given, he's given it all, eating your family. Because people, leadership, that, that's in that family, right? So husbands that are here, how are you leading your spouse? How are you leading your children? Do you lead by example or not? If they're looking for a direction of how to be, how to be committed, if they're looking for, look like, you know, you're struggling in trust, do you, do you share with them? I share with my kids all the time. I messed up. I was wrong. I'm sorry. This is what I should have done. I celebrate the wins. I celebrate the losses with them. I want them to see dad is not perfect, right? I encourage you men, step up. Step in to what God is calling you to do. The urgency is real. People are dying every day that don't know Jesus. You've been at a coffee shop, restaurant, Walmart, makes no difference where it is. And you just felt the Holy Spirit's feeling, you know, compelled for you to say something to someone and you sit back and you don't say it. And they leave. And you're like, oh, someone else is going to do that, Lord. Someone else is going to provide that word for that person. You need to trust, be committed to what God is doing in that. This isn't a Sunday gig. Our ultimate adventure of following Jesus is an everyday part of our life. 360, seven days a week. We need to live and breathe it. There's no greater danger than an eternity apart from God. You know, I, I, I love watching The Deadliest Catch because I, my father worked in seafood and I was also was a fishmonger when I was younger. You can Google that term. Um, but I would smell like fish all the time. I worked in the, se- the second biggest uh, um, fish markets in the Southern Hemisphere, right? Worked there seven days a week. Smelly business, right? These disciples, they stunk. I mean, I know that because I would walk somewhere after work and people would be like, whew, you know, kind of smell. Right? It makes no difference what you do. God is calling you. Eternity apart from Him. There's an urgency to that. There's a danger to that. I, I think of the deadliest catch and, and I think that there, you can watch an episode and the seas are calm. Right? You ever watch an episode of Deadliest Catch when the seas are 20 to 30 foot tall? I watched an episode last week, but one of them, one of the, one of the, the, the uh, I think it was a greenhorn, he fell overboard in those seas, in the Bering Sea. They rescued him. We are missing out on rescuing people if we're not going to press into what God has for us. And you may be walking through something right now where, where you may be like, my seas are pretty tall at the moment. I had 30-foot waves this week for me. We need to press into God in those moments. We need to ask, Lord, can you just calm the sea? If not, if you can't calm the sea, Lord, I'm making sure that you are my lighthouse and I'm focusing on you. So I have that sense of direction. It's not always going to be calm waters being a Christian. 
it is one of the most hardest things I think to do in life is to follow Christ. Because on one side you've got the smooth path, beautiful. You know what? Maybe there's a there's a there's a there's a greatest ice cream free. You know all of that on this path, right? Everything looks perfect. That's the path the enemy wants you to go on. No difficulty, no challenges. Life is going to be great for you. Everything's going to be provided for you. I mean, this path over here, they may have some times where it may be smooth, but then it gets narrow. And then it becomes to a cliff face. Rocky path, difficult moments. That's that path of being a believer. It's not going to be easy. But the reward though, right, at the end, eternity with him. Eternity with our Saviour. How many people are we missing out on being able to share that eternity news? Because we sit in the area of complacency. We sit in those moments of, yeah, Lord, someone else would do it, not me. I'm challenging you today that your ultimate venture in following Jesus requires you to be authentic. It requires you to be trusting in Him. And I like Francis Chan. He has this quote. Something is horribly wrong when we grieve more deeply over people rejecting us than those who reject their Messiah. Just let that sink in for a moment. We get fearful because we don't want to share something with someone because they may say something mean about me. Uh, okay. They spat on Jesus. They crucified him. They whipped him. And you're worried about someone, what, sticks and stones may break my bow? I mean, what, what, are you, what are you worried about, right? But we do, we, we, we sit in that area of like, I, I don't want to be, I, I don't want somebody to be upset by me. I don't want to offend anyone. Scripture is offensive. The good news is offensive within itself. People don't want to accept it. They don't, well, obviously they don't know what they don't know, right? We need to help them know that. What do you need to surrender to the Lord today? What do you need to give him today? What do you need to come up and lay at the foot of the cross and say, you know what, Lord, I need to give you this. I've been holding on. This has been hindering me from walking in my relationship with you. Men, will you stand up and say, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I will be committed What are you willing just to say, Lord, I've got to give it all. I can't be picking and choosing how I need to follow you. So I'm going to invite the worship team up. I'm going to allow you an opportunity as the, as the song is going to play. Worship team, are you, are you coming? I'm going to break out in a song in a minute. I'm just saying. <laughs> Maybe you just don't want me to sing, but um, what do you need to surrender into the hands of the Lord? You may be going through a really challenging time right now. You need to give it to the Lord. You may be in an area of like, um, I've just been sitting in an area of arrogance, Lord. I know what you've called me to do, but I just haven't been doing it because I'm stubborn and I need to finally just say, look, I need to do this. I, I, I'm not, I, you, we can't give God 99%. It doesn't work that way. We need to give him our 100%, right?
We have to give him 100%. When the going gets good, and when it feels really rough, we don't retract from him, we press in to him in those moments. So if you need to press in to the Lord today, I invite the, the prayer team to come up as well to be able to, or the elders to be able to, to pray with people. Because this is your moment. Don't let this moment pass of what God can do in your life this morning. Surrender it to Him. Come to the Father. Whatever the cost, Lord, I'm committed to following you.